Lisa. Are we good? We're yes, live? Yes, sir. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. Good evening, everyone. Happy Monday. Happy Memorial, Memorial Monday. Uh, today, w- before we start the show, obviously, we want to uh, remember all the fallen heroes that have um, served for our country and have fallen. Uh, thank you for serving. Thank you for doing what you did for us to live in one of the greatest countries in the world. Uh, we salute you and we thank you. That being said, um, we have a special guest with us today, Mrs. Elina Abovian. Hello, Elina. How are you? Hi, guys. I'm well. How are you? Thank Wonderful. you for taking the time to be with us on this magical Monday. Well, I'm happy to be here. <clears throat> and there we go. Okay, perfect. So Alina is actually a news anchor and she works for KTLA5 or not, I'm sorry, a news reporter, reporter yes. that works for KTLA5. Um, very well known in the community um, and actually came, is actually an immigrant as well. So you migrated to the States at a very young age and were a very, very young age actually. How old were you? I was one. You were one. And what made you actually think of actually going into the news industry or, or what would you call it? I mean, is it, would you call it the news industry or would you call, what would you actually? It's broadcast news. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this one memory of when I was like five years old, I went to, we we're on a school field trip and they took us to like these career day places. So every, all the rooms were set up for different careers. So like there was a vet's room, there was a teacher's room. And then I walked into the newsroom. And I saw, I'm not kidding you, I remember this so vividly. I saw the anchor desk with the lights on the studio. And I just had like this epiphany. I was five years old. I'm not kidding. And this is like in the era of Hal Fishman and, you know, when newspapers were so glorified mm-hmm. and they were so known, making millions of dollars a year. It just <coughs> sunk in. Wait a minute. In a you, don't, you don't make millions of dollars a year? <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> I'm contractually obligated not to speak about it. <laughs> But it was in its heyday, you know? So I think that's why it was glorified. I don't think you would go to a career day nowadays and see a newsroom for little kids because we, you know, it's it's not looked at, I think, in the same exact way. But that's what I remember. And then just as a kid watching news um, and KTLA, because it's not like we had every single channel, you know, basic TV was was king. Um, I always looked at them in a certain way that I just wanted to be them. I love their candor, their professionalism, the women, the way that their hair was so coiffed. And I thought, oh, my God, this is so glamorous. They just go to work and get their makeup done and talk. And you, Now I know that's not the case. Well, it's, 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 <laughs> it's a little more it's, than, it's than, more than <laughs> that now, <laughs> which we're going to actually talk about, yeah. definitely. But <clears throat> where did you go to school for? I mean, I know you, you went to school locally you went to cal state la cal state la and uh did you study broadcasting is that what it was and then specifically yeah it was under the television and media and film studies program Mm -hmm. but i had specifically was studying broadcast journalism so we had a new station at the school um so we learned a to z how to produce a show how to anchor how to report how to edit so on everything everything a to z and then what made you decide as far as you know what i'm going to be i'm going to do this full-time because it's an industry where it's very competitive Mm-hmm. And we've heard it from several people and, you know, past guests as well, where it's an industry where it's like doggy dog. And it's, I don't know if I'd call it doggy dog, but it certainly is competitive to get to L.A., which is a number two market out of 200 and I think 20 markets in the country. So it's and then a station like KTLA that's number one in this market. It's like you're you're, yeah. you're one wow. of 10 people working. So, so KTLA is so. actually bigger than 
and, and all the other if you look at certain hours i think the morning show has been number one for a really really long time um you know you have abc and you have nbc that are also very prominent stations but as far as being a station that you know i think the public really identifies with mm-hmm. ktla is the hometown station that has been around the longest that has the largest viewership especially in the morning so it really is number one in that sense. And then all the other shows, I think they compete. Like one day one person is higher, one day the other station is a bit higher. So there's a lot of metric ways that they study, that they look at that, that I don't, I can't even speak to. But overall, I think KTLA Morning Show is, you know, it's it. And did you start, did you start directly with KTLA or how did it all begin? Did you do internship? What was the, so what's the story behind it? <laughs> That's so I graduated Cal State LA. Um, at the time I took about two years off because everyone in news is taught or anyone who wants to aspire a career in journalism is taught, okay, you want to be on TV, you want to be in news, you have to go to a small town in the middle of nowhere. I had classmates I graduated a year prior to me that went to Greenville, Mississippi. Wow. Where it's 10 people and a cow watching. <laughs> That's where I studied medicine, actually. There you go. On the cow. <laughs> on the cow. For, for the one the... cow. But that's where you learn. And that's yeah, where you make your mistakes. Wow. You fall. You, you know. So the and mistakes made... are not that bad. I'm sorry? When you make the mistakes, they're not that bad. They're not that bad anymore. <laughs> okay. they, not, no, I mean, when there's, when there's right, 10 people there watching. there isn't a lot of people judging you. And you yeah. don't have, you know, millions of viewers, essentially that could catch that mistake. And then if you're talking about a big story with a big liability behind it, then it's, you know, then it's a big deal. Yeah. But it takes years. I mean, for some reporters, it takes 10 years to get to a big market if they ever even get to a big market. And at that point, it's not like, you know, just having a fancy resume and saying, well, I worked here for 10 years, so I should be able to work in, in Los Angeles. It's not like that. They have to want you specifically. They have to want your look, your voice, your presence, your name, everything that goes behind you. So it's you're more of a persona at that point than just a resume, somebody who can do the job. Because there are so many great reporters that are way more experienced than I am that probably would never get a job in L.A. Why? And it sets out to say it's just what they're looking for. They look for a specific image yeah. that speaks to their audience. So how amazing is it that they wanted an Armenian girl in LA, you know, growing up, I didn't realize that. I mean, we have our, we have Armenian women working in news. Now we have Roxia, we have Jill, but we didn't have that when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. So I never thought that that was going to be a good thing to have a YN or IN in my last name. I thought, well, maybe I have to be more Americanized. Maybe I have to be blonde or whatever. But then I realized when I got to LA, no, they want you to be Armenian because Mm -hmm. they want you to represent this demographic. So that's something we should all be proud of. Of course. Yeah. It's like you be you. And you know what? It, it actually worked out in your favor. Mm-hmm. And Abovian is maiden name or it's husband's name? It's husband's last name. All right. Uh, what That's guy. where I'm from, Abovian. That's where I, I was all born. Of, no, three of us. <laughs> three of us, three three of us were of born us. in Abovian. I'm from, I'm from Denver, so. <laughs> so are you Are you from Abovian? No, you're I'm from, from Yerevan. You're from Yerevan. <laughs> Parents are from Yerevan as well? Yes. And what about the husband? The husband's last name is Abovian. So is he's he from? from Yerevan. He's from Yerevan? <laughs> well, everybody's okay. We're, we have, a, we have a nice mix yeah. of Armenians here. But I, but I think the new generation, the younger girls are lucky because you, Araxia, like you mentioned, Jill, you guys have pretty much paved the way for them in terms of when you were growing up, you said you had nobody to look up to, whereas now they have you to look up mm-hmm. to, even though, as you mentioned, it's not a career that's, pushed in school or it's not something that's really advocated in families family you know armenian families think doctor lawyer accountant and those are the three professions in the world that's right. it but the fact that you are on tv i think is a is a great way for young girls to look up to you and and be able to aspire to be like mm-hmm. you one day which is which is i mean you guys are the pioneers of armenian 
newswomen, I think, in, in the uh, uh, American market. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Uh, Especially <laughs> with you guys plugging in a lot of the Armenian stuff, right. whether it's um, Armenian, new Armenian as far as Independence Day, the genocide, all that stuff. You guys plug that in. It's it's a it's a big deal, especially in the yeah. American market. More I mean, yeah, exactly. More and more people are being more inf you know informed about it. More and more people are you know finding out about it, and it's uh, we are more than grateful about you know all that stuff that you do. It's fantastic. Um, that being said, I, th yeah. <laughs> I think where the wise nuts went wrong is we should have probably started our show at Boise, Idaho, or something. <laughs> So we could have <laughs> screwed up and then moved to and LA. And then moved to LA. So everybody would be like, oh my God, this is the yeah. most fantastic show I've ever seen. They must have you screwed know, Boise is a pretty big market. Is it? We, we started in the second largest to, market. <laughs> so number one would be New York, I assume. Number one is New York. Yeah. LA is number two. Yeah. Um, and then I think number three is Chicago. And Chicago. So on yeah. But I started in San Luis Obispo. I was very oh, lucky nice. that I stayed in California. So yeah. I think... A lot of young reporters, and I and I coach a couple of young reporters that are like trying to to make it. Any of them Armenian? Two of them are Armenian. One of them <clears throat> works in Seattle. Another young guy, I think he was trying to work in sports. I don't know where he ended up. We lost touch. But um, I think the number one thing I say to them is try to stay close to the market you eventually want to be in because those are feeder markets back to LA. So if I wanted to come back to LA, I wasn't going to go all the way across the country. But mm -hmm. it's up to you how hard you want to work to get into those. Even the small markets are tough. They didn't want to hire me. Um, cause I essentially I'm starting with no experience. I had PR experience. I had school experience. I worked for a magazine. I could write, but I couldn't, I didn't know. And, and I had, and I hosted a show before for like an entertainment channel, but it's, it was so fluff. It wasn't news. And so I still didn't really know what I was doing. Um, so I started working for the NBC affiliate in San Luis Obispo. They wouldn't hire me as a full-time reporter. They said, come on as freelance. Somebody's going on maternity leave. We'll take you on for however long. So I packed my bags and literally went somewhere for however long. And being engaged at the time, you know, it was very <clears throat> difficult, but it's something you either want to do it or you don't want to do it. So I made the commitment and I was there for over a year. I don't remember exactly. Anyway, so from there, I went to Fresno and Fresno is a 55 market. So it was a nice big jump, but that didn't come easy either. They didn't have a reporter position open at the station that had a position open. Everywhere else was booked. And so I emailed the news director and said, well, you guys have a photographer position. I'll shoot for you if you let me report. I was desperate and so, I was willing and I was the photographer for the weekends. <laughs> I did a guy's job. I was yeah. carrying a 50 pound camera, shooting everything from wow. freeways to deaths, to murders, to you name it, um, to fires. I came home crying one day because my eyes were so just exhausted from shooting fires. And this is a girl who is 120 pounds carrying a 50 pound camera going into bad neighborhoods that people would have killed me for a lot less to steal that camera. So you're setting up a camera, setting up mic, everything, and then... <laughs> basically going in front of the camera. No, no, no. I wasn't doing my own live shot. <laughs> okay, okay. Because I was, I was, I was going to be like, holy crap. I'm like, you really, you really were like one-man show. The scenes. But yeah, they call it a one-man band for that reason. Yeah. Um, but then I was a reporter during the week, so I got to learn to... Yeah, and, and remember, they, there was no selfie stick back then. She couldn't. <laughs> yeah, it was well, actually yeah. a tripod with. <laughs> I think know, they're, they're still running it on tripods <laughs> and stuff now, man. With a huge camera. Hey, those cute, the vans they use are pretty fancy. Fancy. Yeah. So yeah, you, that's what I you guys mini, travel in, right? I had a right? minivan. They didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't do any live shots. So I didn't I know they have, have them in minivans. Mm -hmm. I had a minivan that never was washed. <laughs> and, you know, and our station was right by the airport, so you can imagine like the glamour that came with you know Absolutely. all of it. I hope people people watching are not. <laughs> yeah, if they were thinking beforehand, you know, that's an easy job. I can just 
send my resume, get in. No way. No, if you're not willing to go out there, hold a 50-pound camera for a couple of years. <laughs> don't, don't even think about it. Yeah, just get a life insurance license. And mind you, you're not <laughs> selfie money. Yeah. I was making, I think, 30000 a year. How do you wow. live off of that? I'm right. Thankfully, what? I had, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was talking about. <laughs> well, I'm very lucky that I had my fiance, who eventually became my husband, his support. Yeah. He came with me and, you know, if I didn't have his support, I would never, I would never be sitting Of here. course. I mean, it, that's how it is. You, you have to back each other up at the yeah. end of the day. I mean, we laugh about it. It's something where you always joke about, it. you go, oh, you know, well, this, you know, the fiance, husband, mm -hmm. this, but it, it is what it is. You, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, it sounds cliche and all, but I mean, you've gotten to where you've gotten due to the support you have from the family and from, you know, your husband now, because they were there. They said, you know what, keep doing what you're doing and you'll, you'll get to where you need to get to. And I mean, here you are sitting with the wise nuts. Yeah. <laughs> you've made it now. You, you, guys, you guys, you guys didn't get it. I'm this so year. glad those years of the 50 You've made it. You've <laughs> made it. The punchline <laughs> went to like. <laughs> you've made it. All right. Did you get well, it though? Yeah, of course. Okay, good. Okay, good. You made it to KTLA five, which is, again, like I said, <laughs> the LA it's, market, second biggest market, dude. I mean, uh, and as for for an Armenian girl or an Armenian lady. I mean, it's. You can call me girl. I don't mind. Well, there you go. For an for an Armenian girl, I mean, it it would be tough. I mean, it is bad. But you don't. Being all away of them from go family. through the same thing. Yeah. All all of them. You I have mean. to. That's the only path. And and I tell all. There's a girl who works in um in an office I went to recently, and she wants to pursue it. And I said, "Well, pack your bags and get ready to go. I promise, <laughs> if you're good, it won't take you that long. Yeah. And if you're hungry and you're willing to work hard and to just put your head down, people." thought I was antisocial at the first station I was at because I literally, you know how they say, that's yeah. all I did. I just tried to learn what I was trying to do so that I would literally be legitimate someday. That's all I wanted was to actually know what to do. It's tunnel vision. Tunnel so, vision, exactly. Literally. So from Fresno, went to San Diego and San Diego, this Fox station there that I worked for was is owned by the same company that owns KTLA Tribune. So the general manager, after a year and a half there, my goal was eventually to come to KTLA and I was already kind of, trying to get their attention, you know, doing stories over there that would end up at KTLA because um, it's sister station. So they mm -hmm, share content. Yeah. And then one day the, the general manager came in, his name is Don Corsini. Okay. Could, could he have mm -hmm. more of like the Don? <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, Corsini. Corsini. With a glass said, of wine. Yeah, I want to see. Whiskey. 1978. He came into the San Diego news station and said, we're, we're taking you to KTLA. I didn't even have nice. to apply. It was literally this, one of the greatest moments of my life. It's so like, did you scream and yell in front of him or did you wait to get into the other room? And... No, I was, I was in shock and he's like, why aren't you happy? And I'm like, I don't believe you. Like, <laughs> oh. where's the oh, contract? Man. Can I sign now? Because I'm scared the offer is going to go off the table. Like, well, you know, I I, it, was, it was literally like years, four years, I would say, of my hard work. In that moment, this person is saying, here, I'm going to give it to you on a silver platter. Take it. Nice. That feeling I, I can't even think about. I mean, it's. And I got to go home. Can you? Wow. And I was married then. So my husband uh, and I were living two separate, separate cities because oh he works in LA. God. I work in San Diego. My family, like, I would take the train back and forth and I would be in tears every weekend. Like, I have to go back and be alone now. <laughs> it's just me and Netflix, you know, during the week. No, I can't <laughs> that's imagine. Determination. That's, that's, I would have probably that. watched Anchorman if I were you instead of Netflix. Oh, that's a, that's a <laughs> prerequisite. That prerequisite. <laughs> we all watch it. Before. By I, the way, Mary Peronian says you're her biggest inspiration she um she's also majoring in news broadcasting and she says our our stories are very similar she's watched you since you were in fresno oh wow yeah That's and uh, hi mary 
email me. <laughs> <laughs> you, see, you see, you see, email her. We, we, you, the, and you know, give the wise nuts some credit. Did KTLA ever? <laughs> did she ever say email me on KTLA? No, only on the wise oh, nuts. <laughs> <laughs> this is the place where dreams happen. Yes, yes. where connections happen. And uh, Isa also remembers you when you were in Fresno. Um, really? Yeah, wow. she says there was another Armenian reporter named Step, uh, Stephanie Barugian. Yes, she's an older woman. Yeah. She's an anchor. Mm -hmm. Who's been there for about uh, 30 years, apparently. Yeah, Fresno, obviously, as you guys know, is a huge yeah. Armenian, Armenian town. Yeah. The oldest, I think, the first Armenians in the I, U.S., I think, lived yeah. at Fresno. Yeah, the first, uh, the as far as community-wise, not, yeah, not in U.S., but as far as very large community, it is one there of the first go. largest communities, yes. And you felt that there. You certainly felt that Armenian pride in Fresno. It, it's the it's uh, more the the Western Armenians there, right? I think so. It yeah, is right. Yeah. You know the feel in Fresno to me feels like it's in Armenia too. Really? So, yeah, in Fresno, I somehow I feel more like I'm in Armenia. Oh, Glendale, you don't with all the yeah. Armenian signs. <laughs> so, no, North It's like ninety popular. It's like the village look to me. I like that open feel, and that's why. Well, you probably feel more like you're in H. Meowtsin or well, something. Yeah, no, guys. Here's, guys here's, well, here's the thing, guys. You guys are from Albovion. So Albovion is like a, it's like a gyu. So as you know, that's why it feels like home, uh, right? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the wise ones don't have... Edgar was word. very young when he came here, so he doesn't remember. <laughs> and I was born in Yerevan, so you can go kiss him. <laughs> Mark Arian Hospital, baby. It's like Asi Kazabogan didn't have Exactly. There was one clinic behind the body <laughs> Exactly. Behind the domics. No. Oh, gosh. Uh, so... We tend to digress. Yeah, we do digress. Yeah. So, welcome yeah. to the Wise Nuts. Yeah. So, you, you basically, so when you started doing anchoring, you were, well, I'm sorry, reporting, mm -hmm. any plans of actually going into anchoring at all? Or are you planning on just kind of doing the reporting? I'd or? like to anchor, yeah. That's, I think, the ultimate goal, you know, but we'll see. And how many years have you been with KTLA now? Four years. Four years now. That's great. So, I would oh. say... Nine years almost in the business, eight years, something. So, I mean, let me ask you this. How does how does one go from basically reporting to anchoring? I mean, is there special training you go through or is it something where, you know, requirements or is it like, you know what, you're going to be an anchor now? It can happen either way. You know, I can't say that one day they're not going to come and say, we want you to be an anchor. You know, that could happen. And it can happen just the old-fashioned way of filling in for a couple of years and then the right opportunity opens. But the thing is, the anchor jobs are so far and few. You know, we have 30 reporters at KTLA. I won't say 30. We have 20 reporters at KTLA, but we only have like 10 anchors. So someone would either have to retire or go to prison for me to take their spot. <laughs> Let's choose number two, please. So, number two. We, we could, she didn't want to go with number three. <laughs> we could set up number two. I don't want to say die because we had an anchor. <laughs> Are you serious? All right. Well, okay, that's how Facebook's going to shut us off right now. Watch. Five. So, with all due respect. But, you know, those jobs are very, very limited. Yeah. Um, so, for me, it, it could happen in a, in a year. It can happen in five years. Yeah. I can't control that. Or lightning can strike and twice. Also, I mean, we are under contract. So, I'm under contract uh, at KTLA. Let's say there's an anchor positioning at another station. I can't just go knock on course. the door. Yeah. So. Is it kind of like sports where they would have to buy out your contract or it doesn't work that way? It can work that way. I don't know if it's if it would work that way necessarily. Right. I think they would wait for the right timing. I, I, have, I have a solution to this. <laughs> the wiseness should just offer the new contract. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think? With all the money we're why, making. Why with all you here, I man? think we established in the beginning. I make millions. Right? Yes. <laughs> do you remember that? Or lightning can strike twice. Don can come in with his wine glass and be like, you know what? You're going to be an anchor now. You're all going to be anchor. He has to counter our offer. 
our offer. Yeah, I think you'll I think you'll beat our offer well, a we, million we, we times. Hope, I hope he beats our offer. Yes, yeah. I hope so. Uh, Elna, as far as story wise, I feel so. My wife's name is Elna, but it's like I feel it's like Elna, 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 Elna. Elna. <laughs> Your wife, huh? that's like no. It's just it's just weird. It's like I don't know very many. I don't know many Elinas. And I, when I was texting you back and forth, I was telling her I was like. It's, it's weird. I'm, I feel like it's like Elena. <laughs> it's just one L, right? And then she goes, yeah, and then she goes, I have two L's. I'm like, okay, well, that, that makes a that difference. That makes a difference, yeah. Uh, but as far as reporting goes, I know you were, we, before the podcast started, you've been reporting all over the place. Mm-hmm. The fires, all that stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I know you were there when the Thousand Oaks fires was going on and all that stuff, right? That was a crazy week. <clears throat> and it didn't start with the fires. It started with the shooting at the restaurant the nightclub with all with the kids oh um, yeah I, it was in thousand oaks i forget the name of the right off we can't remember details it's the cowboy the cowboy bar right no something like that. In the name. Do you want to look it up i know i think it was the kid like a cowboy I mean, bars it was a western night western, yeah. i wouldn't say it was a cowboy yeah. bar but i <laughs> was working at that time now i do early mornings but i do 5 30 a.m it's not as early i was doing the 2 30 shift and so I would start my day working for the 4 a.m. news. But that day when the shooting happened, I think I had gone to bed like two hours prior because I have a two-year-old, you know, mm-hmm. so it's not like mm-hmm. I can sleep whenever I want. <laughs> um, and I get a text from the news station saying, we have a breaker. And that rarely happens. Usually you start your job on time. We have shifts, you know, eight hours. That's what I'm responsible for. I'm not an on-call person. But when you're talking mass shooting, mm-hmm. I got a text that was midnight. There's a mass shooting. Our news director, Jason Ball, was in New York. He's flying in. Like, this is... Everybody comes in. It's all hands on deck at a moment like that. Um, borderline bar and grill. There you go. Yep. Borderline. There you go. There it is. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, so they said, just head there. And I was probably the second reporter on the scene. And wow. we're literally getting there as people are coming out bloody. People are coming out in shock. They don't know what's going on, let alone us. You know, all we're seeing are first responders, firemen, police officers, sheriffs, deputies. And they're still looking for the guy. They haven't confirmed yet that he's dead. So this is what we deal with. And we are live. So what are we doing? We're essentially pulling people off the street. And it's just a fluid situation. We're saying, who are you? What did you see? What happened? You know, I interviewed people who ended up losing their kids that day. And they didn't know because they couldn't reach their. This particular situation, a man couldn't reach his son. And he's like, I already know. You know, because if I can't reach him, he felt it. And you have to just, you know work through that. And that was, th- those are the difficult days. Those are the big news days, you know, where we're going wall to wall. We were probably live from four, I want to say 2 a.m. to 11 a.m. I was live in increments, of course, because mm-hmm. then they tossed to other reporters in the field. But that's just, that's how it is when you have these big stories. It's a graveyard shift. But I mean, with stuff like that, I mean, there's a, there's a shooter out there and you're in the trenches. You don't know. Yeah, You have no yeah, idea. Look at the, the uh, Christopher Dorner situation. Behind you. But we I mean, had a CBS reporter, a local CBS reporter, um, something Evans, Carter Evans, who they were following the, the deputies to the scene and the guy came out shooting. So it can happen. It's rare, but it can happen. You know, it's real life at every moment. I mean, normally, you know, when we normally when we get assigned a story that has to do with homicides, it's it's a controlled situation and it's after the fact. Mm. We don't do too many live situations. It's a pursuit. We usually have the chopper. It's not like we're running after yep. them, you know, because so you, that's you, not conducive to what we do. Um, 
But in this situation, it was it's different when you're talking about mass shooting. And then the very next day, the fire started fire in Thousand started. Oaks. So wow. it's almost like we didn't even get a break. We didn't even get a chance to digest it. We didn't even get a chance to properly honor the victims. And now we're jumping into people literally being evacuated. And that was the same situation. I thought tonight I'll get some sleep. Again, at midnight, there's a fire. We have to go. And, you know, my shift starts at 2.30 and that's okay. It's what I signed up for. But when we're talking midnight because of a breaker and you have to go and you have to just be on, that was crazy. So the I'm, fires were insane. So, uh, how, you, you were there for how many hours though, as far as reporting? You, were, you did your shift, you went home and then... Not that day. When we have a crazy story like that where we're going <clears throat> wall to wall, um, there's no shift. You're pretty much work because you have to work. You're, you're just there. Um, and then the next crew kind of relieves you. But if they think that there's a need for you and, and you're, you're working on adrenaline, I'll be honest, it's not work for me on those days. It's really like I just get into this zone and you just go because, you know, you're having conversations with people live and it's like real life happening right in front of your eyes. You know, you're looking at a fire and this fire is coming for you, too. You know, it's not just the people who live yeah, here. Yeah. Um, and you're looking at these firefighters and they can only protect you so far. So it's those are the real life situations that. I would say that day I probably work like a 12 hour shift and then that whole week it was crazy. But normally I work standard eight hour shift. I come in, let's say 4 a.m. I work till 12 and then I go home. So I'm only responsible for those hours and for the shows in those hours. It's I'm not an on call. So going from the mass shootings, reporting and stuff, how do you wind down when you get home? How do you take not take that into the house or the you know emotions, affections? everything. It's tough. Normally I can shut it off. And I do because I've been doing this for a while. My first time covering a murder was in Fresno. And uh, it was about a man who died in a car accident. I think I was like deer in the headlights when I did that live story because I had never been near a dead body before. But now it's like, you know, and it's covered. It's never like that gruesome in your face. It's not like we're, you know, police officers or detectives. But now it's second nature. And I, and I hate to say it, any story, I just look at it like, okay, give me the information. Just give me the facts and I'll do my part. I don't think about actually that it's actually people. The only time it really affects me is when it's about kids or about like the elderly because I have a small child, you know, so yeah, that really man. affects me and I can't help that. You know, that stays with me all day. How do you decompress? I mean, you just try to not think about it. Uh, that day, you know, you're, you're into it. I came home and I was still watching my colleagues reporting all day long because you're just glued. You want to yeah. know every detail, you know, because you're part of it. So you're literally making up history you're making up like you know everything that people talk about on social media what gets written in the newspapers i mean they have their own reporters but this is all coming information from us you know it's it's the images that are going to live for years it's the information that's going to survive for years so it's a big responsibility yeah. so you get sucked into it yeah. i think you almost don't want to like wind down because you're feeding on that adrenaline for several days How about the investigation part of it do you feel like you're part of the investigation of what's going to happen and you become part of the story in that way? You can, because you can break information that then leads to new developments, you know. And because maybe sometimes you have information that can help the authorities in a sense. You can, but you want to be very careful. Very careful. I always say the biggest trick in this industry is knowing not what is knowing what not to say. Yeah. Instead of knowing what to say, you and, know, because we can all just say, Oh, well, I heard this, <clears throat> you know, but it's a matter of it's it's letting that information settle, making sure it's coming from a trusted source, making sure that it's been vetted. It's been thoroughly investigated that you can, I don't want to say prove it, but you can at least prove the source. Yeah. So you have to be very patient. And everything is basically improv by you. I mean, you you do your own writing. Everything, everything. Is, everything is done by you. So your responsibility is to KTLA. It's like if you screw something up, 
the other interns are you and go right if i'm the morning reporter every single reporter after me that day is going to repeat that piece of information that i supposedly got right so i better make sure it's accurate because then mm-hmm. we're all repeating it and it gets effect. written on the website <laughs> and then it goes viral and then it's over you know so you better make sure you have right information yeah, once again have you tried well. messing with them one time <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad i don't have that position <laughs> so are you the one personally fact checking though how how are you supposed to fact check in such a short well the fact check is you have to trust the sources it's coming from and majority of the time it's law enforcement mm, okay. so you have to trust that you're getting information from them it's not like i could say well let me see what you if know? it's a crooked cop but it's not it doesn't work that way you listen to a pio spokesperson yeah, or a detective yeah, yeah. people and, who you can attribute to properly and i've noticed just, a lot of times when the reporters are out there this they'll if they're mentioning something as far as an investigation going on with the shooting or something, they'll say, oh, you know what, officer this or sheriff that yeah. mentioned that this, 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 this. So it doesn't come directly from or you her. Will, her. you will interview that officer on the spot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's why we do yeah. interviews so that we yeah. have everything documented on tape. So he yeah. can't come back and say, I didn't say that. Yes, he did. Yeah. I have it right here. <laughs> so when it comes to interviewing somebody, do you guys have like a contract there as far as? No. Just you, them being on camera is giving them, is already giving a consent, consent to being recorded. Oh. That's it, basically. That's pretty much it. Even with like law enforcement, um, attorneys, all that stuff. Everybody. Exactly. You don't say, or are you aware you're being recorded? You know that, and you can record anyone on the street as long as it's you know if they give you it depends. It's a sensitive situation, and this is all you things you learn along the way. Um, but you know, a public sidewalk is free domain. Yep. You can set up a camera and have, shoot anybody. Has the shoot. police officers ever told you that you can't do it from certain places and moved you? Away. Yeah, they they, they yeah, have the right to scenes. set up a crime scene. Yeah. And so we're not allowed to go behind crime tape. Yeah, I they, mean, they have the right to move you. But okay. we're allowed to be on any public place. Okay. Do we have any questions from any of our listeners before we move forward? Yeah, Armin is asking uh, how much autonomy do you have as to what you report on? <sighs> um, let's put it this way if I can back something up and it's not compromising the investigation, it's. I have full reign. You know, we have producers and I will call sometimes to brainstorm like, hey, I found this out. What do you think we should do? Like, for example, we had a story about she was an Armenian girl and she died in a car accident a week ago with Mm -hmm. another guy. And I had her picture and I had his picture, but we didn't want to go live with the picture just yet. We held off. And that was a situation where I called the station, called my executive producer and I said, I have the pictures. I have a very good feeling it's her. But I'm not 100%. Until family comes here and says, that's her, we don't want to run with it. Even though everybody on social media is telling me, that's her, that's her. Mm. I can't trust social media. I have to have somebody who legitimately knows her that's <clears throat> going to say this is her. So it's things like that. Um, I have the, we have the right to basically, like, if I'm somewhere and, and I'm talking about what's going on, that's up to me. My producer doesn't say, I want you to say this. It's nothing mm-hmm. like that. It's my, it's my reporting. It's my ad. It's my improv. And it's my, my show in those two minutes. But when it comes to liability, I have to make sure that I'm treading on careful territory. Now, in terms of whoever breaks the actual news, let's say the images of those victims, or um, does that affect the ratings? Is that why you guys are kind of pushing to see who's the one that's going to publish the name, the photos, or whatnot? Is that kind of who's the, first? Who's first? Who's first to get on air? Who's or? correct? Who's not, correct? Not who's first? Okay. Because there's so many times stations here, even the most reputable <laughs> stations, they've gone first with something and they've been wrong do you so, think it's still happening even till today absolutely of course there's this is la this is like the numbers. Like this is where still, things they happen. have it backwards i feel like now they're going for whoever's first not who's more accurate 
and then they that correct too. It. Of course, you don't want to be reporting something the next day when everybody's reporting yeah. it on the six o'clock news. But if let's say you don't go live with it at five o'clock, you'll wait and go live with it at six because you just you want to make sure you're reputable because no matter what, your audience will know if you can't be trusted. And what's the number one thing in news? We're not entertainment. We're still journalists. So well, we CNN learned it the hard way. <laughs> That's network news. It's very different. I, I understand, think, but... I don't think they learned it yet. Or they haven't no, learned it. They're, they're digging their hash, That hashtag is going to be stuck with them for the rest of their lives. I swear. Fake news. Basically. That's another thing that people always say, well, how do you feel about the fake news? I, I don't even know what it means, to be honest. I think here's the thing. When you are a network like CNN, and like Fox News, like MSNBC, you have 24 hours to fill. So you're going to have a lot of people coming in doing commentary. So they do a lot of speculation. I don't speculate. <laughs> I don't say, well, I think this person might be dead. <laughs> you're standing right there. <laughs> what do you mean? You don't speculate. When local news is very different. We don't have a political agenda, especially KTLA. We're not owned by a network. We are owned by a broadcast company, Tribune mm -hmm. Media. And so, and even, even if we were, I still don't think local news has that agenda because we're in the field covering what happens in Locally. Southern California, Of course, you know, from Bakersfield to Ventura County to Santa, you know, um, Santa Barbara, San Diego, that's our viewership. So we cover local and there's no such thing as like being biased in that sense. You just have to be factual. Yeah. So what fake news is there? What, what goal, you know, purpose does it feel for me to lie about something? You know, it's not like. It's, there's nothing political there's attached nothing to political, it. There's nothing political. There's no favoritism at that point. There is no fake news as far as the news I know. Um, I think when you look at network news, where they get their information, because we work with CNN. We're affiliated with them. So we get a lot of our network material. So sometimes when I'm in-house doing like political stories, mm -hmm. that I, and I love politics, um, I have to trust that whatever's coming from CNN is accurate. So what they get? Uh, well, we'll see you guys next Monday. <laughs> but we also, you know, I don't get necessarily all my information from them. I get it from AP News, you know, um, and things that you can trust, like I said. But network news is very different than, than local news. I, mean, I, I see. What? I know with like local news, it's more of like, how was the weather? What happened locally? How's the traffic? Um, give me some information as far as what's going on in the community and yeah, cat stuck in the tree or whatever it is, but um, like important things. I don't care what happened out in Bakersfield or something like that. You know well, what I Bakersfield mean? Bakersfield part is part of it. That's no, sad. Bakersfield that's is its sad, own news. No, it's oh, its okay. own news. I thought bro. It was, you said Bakersfield. Yeah, but that's sad. Already. You can't say you don't care about Bakersfield. Where's you your fruits coming from? <laughs> Fresno. <laughs> Fresno. Fresno. <laughs> but I, 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 I think Mexico, it, you genius. What do you mean? All right, it's coming from Mexico. <laughs> so. Well, the cucumbers come from yeah. Fresno. Fresno. But I, I think local news is just basically it should be. Whatever's happening in the moment, important facts. God forbid if there's a shooting or something to look out for somebody who's on the run, and that's about it. Anything political and stuff, tune into Fox. Car chase. Or, well, we cover local politics. You yeah, know, well, local we politics, have our yeah, of local course. local races when you have mayors. The California race, that's a big deal. So yeah. we cover those, and we, do, we have people at the station, some of our anchors who are very invested in politics. So we do have, we do like political hour when it's, when it's down to those types mm -hmm. of. Um, times throughout the year yeah see the, the the thing that i saw with let's say local politics the new uh, law that they passed in sacramento with the sex ed stuff mm -hmm. i didn't see too many uh art you know reporting on that we did i covered one last week um but usually here's the thing daily news is different from 
enterprise news. So let's say if I'm doing like a special assignment where I'm going to research something for a long time, because you don't have that much time in one day to research like yeah. a major topic. You know, we're doing spot news in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. That's what we call it. Usually it's like you go, you're, you know, you cover and I do a lot of court, you know, so you cover what you can cover in one day. But if it's something that requires a lot of investigative news yeah. and let's say something like that, where you um, really try to put background into something that you can do as well. Um, but usually we report on how people feel about it because we as a station don't have the right to say, this is how we feel about something, or this is the stance we're going to take. It's good or it's bad. You know, it's normally just <laughs> saying, well, there was a protest because parents are protesting and no, we no. put the mic to the audience. And, you know, if, if people make it a big deal, then we make it a big deal, but we can't otherwise, you know, take a stance on something. Okay. Well, Armin has a good question. Armin, and this is something I could actually piggyback on as well. He says, why, why is most news as far as, uh, reported on TV, like bad news or sad news? I mean, why is it that news anchors actually and news reporters focus on a lot of sad or bad news or something where it's like, I'd say what? 85 to 95. 80, not, I wouldn't say nine. I'd say maybe 80%, 75% of it's kind of more something more depressing where you're like, crap, do I really want to watch this? And you shut it off. It's sales. Another shooting, another you just, know, murder yeah. or whatever. We do a lot of positive stories. I have to I have to say, like probably for me, it's like thirty percent of my stories are positive. But yeah, seventy percent are negative, and unfortunately, that's what the public needs to be aware of. You know, they don't need to be aware of happy things happening, but they need to be aware of the fact that there is a rapist or a child molester. You know, we did a story the other day about a guy who was molesting kids at a local daycare. You need to know that if you live in that community. You know, yeah. so and we have this carnal rule in news that says if it bleeds it leads so the most unfortunately the most violent story of the day is going to take precedent hmm. um murders things like that because that's unusual news is what's unusual in the world i don't know how they kept i, I hope that they kill that guy that you child molester that. i are you serious are you kidding me no he doesn't uh, people like that don't deserve to live guys honestly they don't. well they they typically don't Did, didn't you see that guy who was recently killed in his cell because he was a child molester and those types of guys don't make it i mean i i've known a couple of sheriffs who work in twin towers or other uh facilities and word gets around they pass the word around this guy this is what he's done and this is what he's in for. yeah, yeah. before See, you know the same thing's being done to before him. i had a kid i was sensitive <clears throat> to it now that i have a daughter i'm even more sensitive to of course. it i mean it's what goes through somebody's head like that they're not there's just they're mentally not there and people that are mentally not there, honestly, it's like, you know what? If you're going to do something like that, I think it's worse than murder. It is. Yes. Is much it not? Worse, much yes. worse. Yeah. Because so you can't. Well, you can't. No, life is something so precious. If someone taking life, you didn't give that life. You can't just take that person's think, life. You can't, well, there's nothing more innocence. than that. It does, I, which is just as bad. I think it's worse. It's, it's, it's way worse. I think it's way worse. People like that, honestly. I, I, See, I personally, I mean. Is, I think the local uh, news actually covered it a few of weeks ago when they talked about mental hospitals being closed down over what was it 15 years from 15 years on they they have they had less and less mental hospitals why i don't know i think less people budget, are, are you know budget from sacramento and i think less people are because you have to want to seek help and i think a lot of people are finding comfort in you know drugs and alcohol and things that they're doing and not necessarily seeking help like mental hospitals psychiatric facilities that could be another reason. Because of all the homelessness and stuff, most of them need mental mental help. Yeah. But there isn't any you know facilities for them to go to. And that was one of the reportings that the local 
uh, news actually covered. Yeah, uh, budget cuts is another uh, one. Vartan has a good question as well. He was saying, why are police chases so big on, on local oh, TV? <laughs> I asked myself the same thing. There you, you know go, Vartan. How many of my stories have been pushed to the side because we have a chase? Oh. Because people watch. At the end of the day, everybody's sales, bro. Like, okay, Cal Five needs to sell, or this company needs to sell. It's still a business at the they end of the day. The money. You know, that's you guys have to understand our job is to capture people's yeah, attention. Definitely. We have five seconds when someone is scrolling between Channel right. Five and Channel Seven. We want to keep their eyes glued to our station. You know, so it's like, what's the most riveting? Because you never know what's going to happen. We had a chase last week where the guy, where the girl was driving RV. an RV and had two dogs, and one dog, like everybody was glued. The next day, when we're covering the story, I actually. Went to do like a profile on her mm-hmm. and people are coming up to the truck i can't believe that woman you know with her dogs and, and it's because she's endangering dogs because yeah. so many people are animal lovers well you there know? you go vartan like, that answers your question i'm sure he's glued to the tv how <laughs> random a chase is it's not just like crazy people on chases you know sometimes it's bigger stories there was a chase a couple weeks ago i think in hawthorne and it was the guy who killed the liquor store clerk in downey and so then he went on a chase and he was shooting a cop. So this is a guy hanging out of the car like and it's a movie. So you never know when a chase yep. is going to lead to something huge. Grand Theft Auto. There was a viral video live. Some girl was posting. You can hear the shooting. The guys driving and shooting mm-hmm. out of the window. And that's rare. Usually it's people, you know, driving a stolen car. Sometimes they're on drugs. They don't want to pull over. They know it's their last. Yeah, it's not. They're not always that exciting, but sometimes it's huge. We could be, you know, chasing a fugitive. Yeah, let me get my last moments of fame before <laughs> guys, I get caught. Honestly, I gotta admit, I love watching chases. Do you? Yeah. Oh, the one of the best chases. The only reason I'll turn on the local news in this thing is like chase. I'm oh, glad chase. we could be a service. <laughs> yeah. One of the one of the, at, at least you could say it off camera when she's not here. <laughs> you guys know hey, I'm I just don't, a I don't raw mind, guy. As long I'm a as raw you're guy. Watching. One of the yeah. best chases was when the guy was driving 20 miles an hour on the freeway for hours which one was this one it, it must was, have been uh, an about, engineer it was about four, <laughs> four or five years ago he was just driving really slow and the cops were just behind him and he just kept on going i don't i don't know if these guys get it or not you're gonna get caught at the end you know what i always wonder where's all the traffic <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're, they're, i don't understand they go home to watch it there's <laughs> a high speed chase on the four or five two o'clock four o'clock in the afternoon I've never seen the 405 that open. It's like an alternate universe. They open it for them. I that's think act- that's actually when my wife and I go to the beach. Right, hold, yeah. on, hold on. Think about it. Yeah. Two o'clock in the afternoon and there's a, there's a, there's a speed on like, call it, the four, call it the 101 or the 110. Any freeway. Have you ever seen any freeway open other than today? What is it? <laughs> It's never open. <laughs> it's perfect time to go to no, the west I side. I thought about it, man. It's perfect. It's like, oh my God, there's a chase. I got to go show a property well, out actually, in the now, West Hollywood. Now that we have somebody in the inside at KTLA, here's what you're going to do. Next time, text us, hey, chase is going down. And then we'll get it. Pack the family, head to the beach. <laughs> traffic. The 105 is open. <laughs> it's like, we're going to get a text. Like, yeah. Hey, guys. The 101, the 110, and the 405 are going to be open in about 30 minutes. Pack your shit. Get ready. I cannot guarantee your safety. I can't guarantee your safety, but I know you'll get to the beach in 15 minutes. Hey, in LA, safe. if you can beat traffic, it's worth getting shot. hundred exactly. percent. We're all guilty. Like if, you, if I see a fire truck going, as soon as they pass me, I get right behind them. Just oh, you, need, you need to be behind You guys, it takes, it takes longer to get from Burbank and park at the americana and go down to the cheesecake factory than it would if you were to drive from glendale to anaheim to go to disneyland well that's yeah. that's probably why i've been to americana maybe like seven times since it's open it's horrible i i just can't be in that much traffic and i go there weekly religiously do you 
I've been there seven times, maybe eight times. Can't believe it. You, that fountain. How could you not go weekly? <laughs> well, wait till this kid gets how a little older. How could you not go on by a weekly that, basis? That fountain was built by the same company who built the Bellagio fountains in Vegas. Yeah, that's what They're out of Burbank, actually. I'm Are serious. they really? Yeah. Yeah, I forget the name of the company, but they same same company who built both fountains. By the way, Elena, uh, Mary actually sent you a message on Instagram as well. So okay, she'll I guess <clears throat> she wanted out. to know kind of a little more in depth guidance in terms of what school, bachelor's, master's to to be, follow a similar. Be specific, path. just to throw yeah. it out really quick. I know you guys want to talk about other things, but yeah. just be specific. I would say yes, you can major in anything and work in news, but it's better to get that hands on training immediately. So yeah. you know, and you don't need to go to USC. You don't need to spend all that money. Um, I think just, she already has too late. Well, sorry. Well, USC is going through a scandal now. They have a, they have a so refund policy. It might be cheaper now. Um, Absolutely. But anyway, yeah, go to a school that specifically majors in communication or, excuse me, journalism. broadcast journalism so that you could get that training. You were, you went to, you were saying uh, Cal, Cal State. State LA. Cal State. There you go. Yeah. Local, quarterly, you finish quick. Oh, I love the quarter system. Yeah. It's great. It's better than semester system. hundred percent is better. It's much it faster. It's much more. You'll finish what probably maybe the boringest campus you probably go to. What? Well, she's there. right here. Well, <laughs> I went no, there too. I, mean, no, no. I mean, here's the thing. I was I was just looking to get in and get out. I think yeah, if you're looking for an experience, which now I wish I had, you know, that college experience of living in a sorority or doing all these things moving away yeah, it's not like that, that. now it's what no it, i think cal state la is more of like you get it's like if you're transferring there or if you're going there it's wham bam thank you ma'am i'm done i'm out of here mm -hmm. i don't care about my uh you know whatever happened on campus or whatever it is it's just yeah, no, no. get it done and get out of there as soon as possible because I, I i interviewed at usc about two years ago i hated that campus why they didn't hire you it's so pretty well no no no, not the pre -dinner. it just felt so snobby like everybody was oh, yeah, i'm at ucla like, what were you gonna teach ucla there? or usc you, i mean usc what yeah. were you gonna teach there i wasn't gonna teach oh i thought you were gonna teach no no <laughs> <laughs> all right cool. <laughs> no i was accepted into one of their programs so oh. i went in for an interview and i yeah, was like so I, I, marshall I, in the business yeah executive mba program and i just i didn't fit in i felt like I I I I would probably get into all you want to you just call me, man. What? I'll write you the check. You'll feel perfectly. I'll <laughs> <laughs> write you a check right there. That ship has sailed. Yeah, yes. It's done. <laughs> you want to never get into USC? You contact. That, that was another huge story that went national. You know, we were the ones. Exactly. We were the ones who not. We were the ones who broke it, but we're the ones who like covered it here in LA. The USC scandal. Right They're dumbing that story down right now. Meaning. It's not being covered in the last two, three days. Well, because five it's days, now nothing. they're in court, you know. So until they come out with the verdict of what they plea and what deals they make and what sentencing they get, what what's there to cover? Nothing to say until that. Huh? Yeah, St stories always have their high and then their slow period. It's not like the OJ days where. <laughs> oh my god! Every day after school is like a sitcom. You'd come home. Yeah. And I remember. I mean, I have photographers that say they bought their first houses because, because of working. Because okay. everybody was overtime. Everybody was like round the clock. You know, it was the biggest story that then, you know, this is like news's heyday when, what, 25 so, years ago? I don't know why that, I mean, I, I understand it was O.J. Simpson murdering his wife, the whole speed, the he whole murder his wife. The, the high speed chase and all that stuff. He came out and he said he did it. The glove didn't fit. Yeah. Anyways, but I mean, I don't understand why it was such a big story, though. I mean, I get it. He was a football star. He was a movie star. and He was Mr. America at the time. I mean, yep. everybody idolized him. Everybody, he played golf with all politicians and celebrities i mean he was the movie America. star man yeah mm -hmm. he was so and for it to happen in brentwood 
the city that every you know idolize Beverly Hills, Brentwood, and it was just a perfect story. It was just a perfect. It's all about point. how unusual the situation yeah. is. How long did that story go on for? How long was the three, court case? Three and a half years. Year and a half. I, know, I, I think I was in uh, high school. Maybe? We were all school. in elementary yeah. school. Yeah, I was. I, I was in no high school. Oh, you guys are older than me. Yeah, <laughs> you and I. You and I were probably in elementary. These guys are. Are you, you guys are the same? Age? Yeah, we're both O four graduates. Oh, okay. Now oh. everybody knows my age. <laughs> You're a genius, bro. You ruined it, man. It's okay. Kalai is not the wisest. It's called. Nuts? It's called Google. Yeah. It's called Google. I, it's not on Google. Oh, is, uh, it's not. Somebody until, Google that shit. <laughs> until the wiseness broke it. Thirty-three years old. Now that's gonna be Wait, on your Wikipedia Young. Thirty-three years young. Hey, we have a breaking years. story on the wiseness. <laughs> we have breaking news on the wiseness, guys. Arno screwed up. It's gonna go viral. Now. <laughs> So how how do you I mean a lot of women I'm sure are very curious and so are we how do you balance everything out because working for KTLA I'm sure it's it's no easy task as as you've described to us but how do you balance family life between work and um having to because you were recently for example we we saw you interviewed uh the prime minister's wife of Armenia mm-hmm. um so I'm sure you have these assignments where you're kind of after hours or as you say sometimes midnight right. you get a call out how do you balance these that was an, out? that that particular one was an assignment that was something that i oh that was per- and, that was my story like ah, I, okay. I found out she was coming to la <laughs> i set it up i called the station i said i'm going to come in on a saturday she's going to be here we have 20 minutes we're interviewing her so that, that was separate and and usually when it comes to the stories to do with the armenian um community mm-hmm. that's all me it's not something i'm assigned to um the station i sell them on the story basically and if i wasn't there i tell those stories probably won't get covered um how do i balance it it's just you compartmentalize your life you know when you're at work you're at work and this is what you're doing of course you call and you check up you know every hour you're thinking about them but you don't let that consume your day because that's what you're doing in that moment and then when i'm home i'm just with my family you know and then i think it's just priorities and trying to have a balance you know for me my husband's my best friend we have to like go out once a week together i don't care what happens that's our time and i think you have to just make time for that you know um when i'm at home i try not to like constantly be on my phone you know there's a lot of reporters or anchors that every second they're posting pictures i don't do that i don't even know where my phone is at home because when i'm at home i'm with my son Um, when I'm at work, I'm all about work. And I don't think I could not work. I had that option to to decide to stay home. And I said, no, I'm doing this because I just, I have a passion for it. I, I see the big picture. There's more that I want to do. You know, it, it goes beyond just nine to five for me. It's really just, it's bigger than that. It's a career. It's something that I identify with. I feel passionate about. So you choose to make it work. It's difficult, mm-hmm. you know. And, and it's always this thing between working moms and non-working moms, like what's harder. I think, you know, being at home with a child is very difficult. It's a very difficult job. And I have a lot of respect for stay-at-home moms. But I think when you're a working mom, you're juggling both. Yeah. So in a sense, it is harder because not only do you come home drained from your job, but now it's like, okay, I can't go, to, I can't go relax now. I have to now go be with a two-year-old mm-hmm. and run around after them. And I do it with love, you know. That's of course. Not, but at the same time, it's still a job. It's your second job. And then you still have laundry. You still have to cook. You still have to clean. You still have to, you know, do all these things. So it kind of never ends. And I think that's what makes it very tough. But, you know, you make it work. You have to just understand it's not going to be perfect. But you do it. Super mom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I always, I always say, yeah, if you 100%. want something done, give it to a uh, busy mom. Absolutely. Otherwise, you give it to somebody else. It's never going to get done. <laughs> give it to a wise nut. <laughs> That's never going to get done. I'm, t- dude, I'm telling you, nope. w- 
Ar- especially Armenian. I'm not. I'm not saying other women, but especially Armenian women, dude. They are like workaholics, man. Stay-at-home moms, moms that are working. They could do. They could juggle everything and anything. Yeah, and it's, it's just like moms, bro. I think yeah, it's moms in general. Moms in general, but you know, you gotta be biased a little. It's bit. like survival mode. Yeah, you know? literally. You have to do it. Who else is gonna do it for you? Tooth mm-hmm. Fairy's not gonna come and cook my dinner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you just. Do it. What do you mean? I mean, you have help, and I'm very thankful for that. I have my in-laws. I have my mom. You know, I have a nanny. So it's like, don't get me wrong. It's not like my child is raising himself. <laughs> you know, you have help. Yeah. It's like you you walk in, mom. I just did the laundry. Can you fold it today, please? Yeah. I cooked <laughs> you two ribeyes for you and dad, and then I, I just got... opened the wine for you. So don't worry. I'm gonna put myself to bed and. I already had my wine. I already had I already had my wine, mom. I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> now, is it is it more difficult as being a woman in your industry versus, uh, let's say, a man? It used to be. It used to be. Back in the day when I think like, and I, when I say Hal Fishman, I think because everybody knew who Hal mm-hmm. Fishman was. Yeah. Um, he had, I think, something in his contract where he had to anchor more than the female reporters. And so I think back in the day when there was like this male misogyny in news and and just in the world in general i think it was an issue now i think it's a big thing if you're a female now if you look at certain newscasts like abc news they have two female anchors yeah you'll never see two male anchors because it's awkward but you'll see what women can Mm -hmm. do it you know because we bring a softness to us to a a situation and we can bring a sense of uh, sternness and seriousness so I think now it helps, you know, because women can be perceived and, and it all depends on how you work it to your advantage. You know, you can be an attractive female and work that to your advantage, but still be smart and professional. So if you can figure out how to get all that in and, and be the package deal, you can go very far. I, I appreciate you saying that because it's every, everybody thinks from what I hear is you can't combine the two. If you're attractive and you're kind of using that to your advantage, then you can't be smart at the same time. I mean, you can, you can do both and you can, you should use that to your advantage. That's I think men, men do that all the time as well. It's not yeah. about, you know, when you're interviewing somebody, you physically, your first impression of them is, is huge. And especially for your type of job right. where you're on TV and, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people are watching you. It, it is primarily right. about looks not every woman is going to get no, on and tv it's, it's very naive to say that looks don't matter yeah. in this world and it's not just in news it's in it's in a lot of professions and mm-hmm. just walking down the street you know there's <clears> studies <throat> done that more attractive people get more help at the grocery store yes. it's, it's not yes. things i agree with but i'm just saying it's naive to assume that the world is not what looks don't contribute you know i don't compare mm-hmm. myself to instagram models but i do try to look the best i can look because i know it's it's a visual medium it's tv people are turning on they see an attractive person my hair looks nicely brushed and my makeup looks nice and I'm wearing a bright shirt, they're going to look more than if I look messy, you know, mm-hmm. or if I don't, if I don't take care of myself. So yep. these are all things that are factors. It's not a beauty pageant, but it is certainly some, a, a medium where appearance does matter. I mean, I've had that advantage all my life, so I completely, <laughs> I completely understand. I, so lucky. I concur. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's been plenty of women that are like, they're, they're beautiful, they're gorgeous. You look at them, you're like, oh my God, she's stunning. But then she yeah. opens her mouth. You're like, okay, you know what? Yeah. Just, just, go, just go away. Just go away. Well, I think that comes from the family. Go do weather. Go do yeah. weather. Because it's no, not even weather is very <laughs> difficult. <laughs> I think weather is the hardest thing, man. I've seen Our that weather. weather cra- people are certified meteorologists. You know, I mean, it gets easy once you're doing the job every day. Yeah. And if you work in LA, yeah, it's seventy degrees ninety days. I mean, ninety percent of the time. But it's not. It's. I don't think any of any part of it is easy. I want to be a meteorologist. I, I, you know, they can be wrong and still get paid, bro. <laughs> 
Well, 73 degrees versus <laughs> 75. It's nature. Come no, on, it's going to rain. Yeah, but, you go you know, out That's the, the best job. Imagine. You, you have a job What where... happens if you're wrong at your job? You're fired? No, not really. You stay. <laughs> so then why are you... Okay, but you're talking about weather. <laughs> like, they say <laughs> it's going to be 90 degrees. You go outside, you're freezing. Oh, wear a jacket. It's going to rain all day. You go outside. This is coming from somebody who wears a sweater 365 <laughs> days a year. What do you care? Hey, man, I have my extra layers. What does it bother no, you? I'm not, it doesn't bother me at all. But weather is the hardest one to do, I think. It is. Yeah. You don't see what's going on in front of you there's or behind you. There's nothing It's a green screen, it. right? Have well, you done weather before? No. It's yeah, a green screen, but they can see themselves in terms of they have a view of what we're seeing. Yeah, they have a TV yeah. looking so, at what, what you're so seeing. So when they're pointing, I've done it no, before. No, <laughs> no, I know, but it's 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 all it's, it's awkward. And then I put on a few pounds. I got was it fired. the bikini <laughs> bikini edition? No, it was just very tight shorts. <laughs> no, that was during his uh, pageant days, oh, Mister Mister Universe. But I, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you clarified that because I think there's still a misconception till today that you know men have an advantage at in every industry. Um, they get paid more, they get more opportunities, they get more this, more that, mm -hmm. and I don't think that's true. Not anymore. It right? depends on the industry. I can't speak to all industries, but certainly in news, I don't see that being the case. I mean, I've never been in that position where I'm negotiating a contract for a male anchor, you know, so I can't speak to that. Mm -hmm. But for me personally, when I look at male reporters, I would say it's either even or even some cases women make more and in my particular industry. In your industry. Mm -hmm. There's a big misconception about that. A lot, of, yeah. a lot of people don't do their research before they open their mouths about it. They say that, oh, women are underpaid about this or, 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 a, certain, or a certain job. If, if a male and a female are going to interview for a certain job and they're both equally educated qualified. or qualified for the job, they're both good. And if they both get the job, for example, they're both going to get paid the same thing. <laughs> not necessarily, though. That's there have true. been, if it's, you look at some of the studies, range. especially that what, what's come out in the last few years, a lot of jobs do pay women much less on the dollar than they do. Give more. me an example. I can't. Like, it's, 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 because it's, it doesn't exist. I no, think. that's not true. Um, it does exist. Look at banking, for example, like a CEO of a major company. Uh -huh. You know, there are situations like that. And we've seen it in recent months. I can't give you a specific because I... Here's well, the thing. Kids, the problem is, the problem the is, anybody who mentions it, they can't back it up with facts. Let okay, me put it to you I'll this way. I'll give you one other example, and this is in my industry. Kat Sadler, who quit at E because she was making far less money than Jamie Kennedy, I think, or something Kennedy. Mm -hmm. He was making, I think, double her pay, and they were doing the exact same job. They started at the exact same time, and so explain that. Okay, so who was more popular, her or Jamie Kennedy? I don't know. I'll, it's, I'll it's not I, this is the way I. That. This it, is the it way. It shouldn't be double. No, no, no. This is the way I look at it, and it's it, you kind of have to wrap your brain around it and understand why it's that way. For example, if women were to get paid less for a certain job, every single corporation out there would be like, you know what? Why would I hire all? Why would I hire men? Let me just hire women all the time. Wait. It'd be pretty obvious. I have, the, if you I have walk jobs. I have jobs that actually shows that uh, men do get paid. Like computer programmers, if they're men, they make twenty four percent more base pay than if there were a woman. And I'm sure there's women computer You programs. know why? Because if you look at statistically, I have the statistics here, computer programming, there, it's even if you go to school, 67% of the students are male. Yeah. Which means in, in the working environment, males are going to make more money as well because overall, the quantity of men versus women, or if you look at ratio-wise, yeah, it's, it's majority men. Uh, less women in that industry. So, of course, men are going to make more money. But if you look at Hollywood, for example, I remember 
um, years ago when they were um, they first started talking about this uh, pay gap between men and women. And I read the statistics. For example, at the time, um, what's that guy's name that did uh, the Transformers? The, the young guy. Which one? Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. <clears throat> For example, at the time, he was making about 200 times his salary in terms of for the company. So meaning if he was getting paid $20 million for transformers, he was making the, uh, whoever the company is Fox or whoever it is. Um, he was making them $1.2 billion for that $20 million. (laughs) So when you, when they were doing the math, his, the way they came out with the valuation is, well, this guy brings in $1 billion every time he's in movie. Whereas, let's say Megan Fox brings in hundred million dollars. So, well, how can we pay Megan Fox more? Uh, the same, yeah, twenty million dollars. Well, you're talking about Hollywood. That's a popularity contest. Yeah. Okay. When you're yeah. talking about an industry no. like tech, where it's tech? solely on skill, you can't really base. Come on, it on Armon. Money. You're talking well, about yeah. a head chef or a dentist. You know, we're talking about an industry where your face dollar. doesn't matter. It's well, just about your skill. In in my industry, and in like in engineering, mm-hmm. because we have less women go, getting out of college to get into engineering they get preferable treatment to get into the jobs than men do. So right, you so have less qualified women getting the same pay as a guy. And that comes down to companies being pressured. How do you know about less politi- qualified? You That's your take on less qualified. Right. If 88% of engineering schools for computer science or aerospace engineering are is men. men, are men. Yes. So the job market is going to be male dominant. Majority male dominant, dominant. Yeah, I agree with you. But you're In, talking about a dentist, for example. Mm-hmm. I don't think to me it's not like if I find a dentist that's better as a woman dentist, right? I don't mind. I have a male dentist. But you guys, I'm it very is, happy I think too, when but... it comes down to every single company, if you're mm-hmm. a big company, you have a social responsibility to some extent to open the door for new demographics. Of course. And yes. in this case, women. So if you are going to not hire a few men to open the doors for women to essentially create a culture that is more inclusive, mm-hmm. that is more diverse, then you have to make those concessions. You can't just say, well, he's a man, he's more qualified, I'm going to hire him. Mm-hmm. You know, and women will never will never break into the into that industry. So I, every single company, I think, needs to look at the culture of their company because they are, in a way, impacting culture community. See, for for yeah. example, for me, I've in my industry, I'm in healthcare, senior care to be more specific. Ninety five percent of my employees are women, because women are better at the jobs that I need. For example, administrative nurses. staff, nurses. Um, the nurses that I need to be available really late night or to do long drives or whatnot, their majority are male because most women are not willing to get up at 2 a.m. and drive to San Dimas from Glendale, for example. Mm -hmm. So it all depends. I don't specifically, when I I interview somebody, I ask them, are you, do you have any restrictions? If you get a call at 2 a.m., are you okay drive? Is your husband okay with you driving to Glendora? Well, no, I have a six-month-old. I have a two-year-old. I can't. I need a day. Okay. Right. And the, there are a lot of things working against women. Yeah. You know, we are primary caretakers. Yes. You know, we are nurturers. So, therefore, yeah. it's not as easy for us to say yes to certain jobs. And yeah. I, there, was, there was this one article that I read a long time ago, and I never, I never got the answer to this. It was, it was a male and female interviewing for a CFO position, chief financial officer, and they were both fully qualified. Mm-hmm. And the person who was interviewing them gave the job to the male. 
And they said the reason why they gave it to the male, because it was a long-term contract, I think it was a 10-year contract, is because they said eventually the woman was going to get pregnant mm -hmm. and they didn't know if her job was going to be stable enough. <laughs> I, I, I read it. I was like, it was, it was cringeworthy because you're we like, come on, dude. Unfortunately, <clears throat> sometimes women do give women a bad rap in yeah. that in regard. I, I'll be honest with you. When I got pregnant with my son the first time around, I was, uh, you know, I was scared how they're going to view that, you know, and I think a lot of women are afraid of that because unfortunately some women do abuse that system. You know, they yeah. get pregnant, they decide they're not going to go back. They go on disability for two, three years. And sometimes it's merited and those people deserve those benefits, but sometimes it's not. And I think companies see that. And so it gives us working women who are going to go back after three, four months or five months, whatever, an appropriate time. Mm -hmm. It gives us a bad rep, you know, and yep. we don't mm -hmm. end up yeah. getting the yep. job because they think, well, she's now going to be late every single morning. I've never been late because of my son. When did you bounce? back to work uh three months after I had. there you go it's work she and mine is different because i had to bounce back physically mentally time-wise emotionally everything 100 so it really that's when i say it comes down to choices and i think as women we need to be tough because if we're going against the male species that is <clears throat> kind of tougher in some sense you need to be tough and aggressive in that yep. sense so the, the, it's, it's and also See, the she has room word, to talk the she has room word, to talk 100 the key word here is choices i think that's where you hit the nail if you want to stay home and be a stay-at-home mom all the power to you. I respect yeah. that 100%. You know, I think it's mm -hmm. a very admirable thing to do. But I think sometimes, you know, in that, sometimes, and, and, and I think you can see those women when they're getting the job. They're not that serious. You know, they don't necessarily, they're not going for the CEO jobs. They're going for the other jobs, mm -hmm. you know, because women that, unless they end up staying home for a major circumstance, like they have a child that needs special mm -hmm. care, you know, I totally get that. But if you're just someone who says, well, I didn't just don't feel like working anyway now that I don't have to work, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's, it's hard for me to understand those women sometimes because that's not my mentality. And a lot of women do choose, like, uh, you know, to become an elementary school teacher or a social worker or uh, sociology, something that really doesn't pay well. So at the end of the day, that also plays a factor in terms of the overall gender pay gap because yep. men choose to, to become uh firefighters or uh crane operators where these are all life-threatening uh linemen something crazy yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. it's crazy so and women are not expected to get in these types well, of why not you know I, i'm sorry to say but i want i hope that the younger generation can actually take from that and look at previous generations who took maybe an easier job because they figured, well, one day I'm going to be a mom, so I might as well not. Yeah. That's very 1950s. Do what you want to do, whether that job is to be a teacher because you genuinely want to, not because you're going to get summers off mm -hmm. or go be that CEO or be the reporter or be the fire. I, it doesn't matter. You know, make the decision and take the responsibility with yeah. it. Don't just do a cop out yeah. job. Yeah. So see, it's the choice. It's just the choices they make. Like you said, at the end of the day, result to less pay because if they choose to become a firewoman or whatever else they choose to be not that firemen make you know the most money in the world but it's just it's, any, it's an honest living it is it's but, a great living yeah, actually, they make a really good benefits they California, they yeah. make a very good living. Yeah. very good living so my point though is that these are the choices that are not being made and if you just sit home and complain about where there's a pay gap no there isn't if there was a pay gap like I, I mean, I did not hire all women or majority women because I paid them 77 cents on the dollar. I actually paid them more than I pay a lot of the men in my company, but because they are more qualified and women are more organized. So even my administrative staff or my QA or whoever does what, it's all women because I don't trust men to put paperwork together. They'll screw something up or they'll lose something because they're very casual about, I'm very casual about a lot of things. Women are not, most women 
or yeah, more they're organized very, than yeah, men are. So OCD. Yeah. These are realities Most women that we OCD. live in. Yes, gender gap pay does exist <laughs> big time where we can't discredit that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, take responsibility for what you want to change. If yeah. you think there's a gender gap in your company, then address that situation. You know, you well, can't just cry about it. And at the same time, you have to push forward through it. And I think it's dual responsibility. If you're a company owner, you need to take responsibility to create an environment that is inclusive. And I think if you're a woman, just because you want to have kids, don't be afraid of going for that CEO job mm-hmm. or whatever the yep, job yeah. is, whether it's an entertainment, you know, it's, it's all possible. See, another thing that works against women is they are more agreeable. They don't go out to the, you know, their managers and say, I want this much raise while a guy would do it in his you know, position. I, I and that, that, that those studies are. So you're saying actually, men are more likely to ask for a raise yes. than women are? Yes. Yes and no. Yes. I think the generation They're, is changing now. Well, women are becoming more and more aggressive now. They should be. Like my wife is my my wife when it comes to like pay, like she's hungry for it too. There was times where she would like when the kid would cry at night and she would have to wake up. The kid doesn't want to hang out with me. She's like, you know what? I want to be with mom. She would, I, she's like, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to work. What does she do though? Six a.m. comes, boom, she's out of the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why you sleep train you have your to kids. Sacrifice, yeah. Yeah. You, have to sacrifice. you can't be the perfect mom in that sense, saying, saying like, okay, I'm going to stay up with him and I'm going to cuddle the whole night. You know, no. there are nights where you yeah. do that, but you have to get down to business. You have to sleep train your kid. It's the hardest thing in the world. So, but because you have to sleep, you need them to sleep. Yeah. I don't get it. Like, you actually make your kids sleep early so you can sleep early. No, so what no, I'm no, saying no. is put them on a schedule. Sleep train. Like, I understand. But you know, how does it work for you? I mean, how do you go to sleep without the kid being asleep? I put them to sleep first, yeah. And you have to be organized in your day. You have to make sure they have an 8 o'clock bedtime so you can be in bed by 9. You know, my day is very organized. It's not just, we don't just throw it to the, you know. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Look at it this way. If your kid goes to bed at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock, call it's it late. let's call it, no, 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 let's say let's call it 9 o'clock. You don't go sit up until 1 a.m. Because if you sit up until 1 a.m., that kid, for example, has a bad dream and wakes up at 2, mm-hmm. you're running on an hour of sleep. So if the kid goes to bed at 9, you better be in bed by 10 at least. So you could at least have four hours of sleep before that kid wakes yeah. If that well, kid wakes that's, up. That's for Alina. So what do you mean no? be a professional we're, woman. We're up until t- midnight every night. Well, you're a different case. <laughs> Hold on. But, you ha- you- but how do you feel? Okay, how do you feel when the kid wakes up though? We get up. And then the next day for work? Do you have to wake up at 1.30 a.m. and... Go to KTLA and get your no, makeup not on? One, or 1.30 a.m., but the next day I have to wake up. <laughs> His makeup starts at 3. Yeah, I, c- I yeah. couldn't do it. Man. And I, I know major- you're, maybe a, you're maybe one of the special ones. Very few. Everybody's different. For example, for me, if I sleep at 9, I can't get up at 5. That 5 o'clock is just, I just can't wake up at 5. I could sleep at 3, get up at 7. I could sleep at 4 a.m., get up at 7, no problem. If I sleep even at 8 p.m., you ask me to wake up at 5 a.m., I, I can't. I'm tired. It's not the amount of hours the I seven sleep. Has to be right. I have to sleep between four a.m. and seven a.m. for some reason. How are you? How, how are you? How are you? Gra- <laughs> when your graveyard shifts? It's, it's not yeah. graveyard. It's early morning. Um, I think it's just one a.m. I don't think I would do. No, it's two thirty. Two thirty. That's that's not early morning. That's freaking. <laughs> Is the sun out? That's hard. Alina, not, I turn my pillow lie. to the that's... cold side at two thirty. <laughs> I'm up with my coffee at two thirty. Um, I'm up for my break at two thirty. So I break. There I don't. Go. I didn't always do that shift. I did that shift for seven months, and now I'm on the five thirty. I think you know. Sorry. After I have my second son, I'll go back and do like four a.m. or three thirty, and I think that's a choice I'm making, right? Yeah. So I take all the responsibility that comes with it, which means my son's going to be in bed by eight. 
which means, you know, certain things I have to do, because if you're going to be a professional person at anything, whether you're a man or a woman, you have to be sort of tough. You can, and you have to raise your kids tough. Yeah. You know, you can't just say, we're going to have everything and, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. It's exactly. like you have to make those choices and you have to be regimented. Before I did yeah. the 11 to 7 shift, yeah, I don't go out during the week really that often, you know, because I know I have a child and I have a job the next day. So I go out on weekends. It's, it's a different thing. Or if I go out during the week, it's like once a week, let's say. But before I had the 11 to 7 shift, so we'd still get up at like 6, 7 in the morning. I'd make dinner. I'd hang out with my son for a few hours. Then a nanny would come and then I would go to work. So it's like everything is organized down to, you know, what it's supposed to mm -hmm. be. And that's the only way to function. If you, it, you know, I can't just say it's all random and it just magically works. These are choices. Of course. Cross your T's, dot I, your I's. I mm -hmm. think, I think where my, where I'm mentally having an issue is the whole Armenian social. How does that fit into sleeping at nine o'clock because most armenians it's like nine o'clock they're like okay well let's turn on the barbecue <laughs> open a bottle of vodka. I used to be that person. <laughs> how or does back that in the day when i was in my early 20s before i started yeah. the news you know it's like my husband and i with our friends it's like we'd be at some our friend's house till four in the morning mm -hmm. and yeah him. <laughs> and our friends i would be with one of my girlfriends drinking a whole bottle of cognac you know and i could do that i can't do it anymore <laughs> I don't um, think any of us could do it anymore. <laughs> face first into the table. It's a lifestyle, but you get over that yeah. phase, I think, because now I have bigger responsibilities. Of course. And we still have fun. It's just, you know, you do it once a week instead of five days a week. Yeah. It's it's every it's when you have a purpose. I mean, when I first started uh my business, I had I was on call twenty four seven myself and we'd be out drinking, partying, whatever, and you know, at three AM I get a call and I'm I've had maybe, let's say, half a bottle of scotch or something or a couple of bottles of wine. And it's 3 a.m. I got to answer the phone. And as if I'm sitting in the office, like, hey, this is Armand. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, this is what's going on with the patient. And I have to pull up their profile, take care of whatever needs to be done. And I, I could be very drunk or hungover from drinking or whatever I was doing. Still drinking. Or maybe even still drinking. <laughs> oh, and and for five years, I did that. I no longer do it. I have a call center and all these things that I just get a text message and I review it in the morning. But you just have to adjust. But my friend, yeah, he, he, and every time I went to his house, one of my patients would pass away. So you like, stopped going when, over when they lived on Raymond. Yeah. It's like I stopped going over there, man. It was costing me too much money. Every time I was there, a patient would pass away. I'm like, I'll get a call, so and so expired. I'm like, oh. So, expired me. Yeah, the check expires that too. Well, that's that's these guys would call me at 11 11 30 and go, What are you guys doing? We're like, We're gonna be sitting outside watching some TV and stuff. Okay, we're coming. Next thing I know, it was like Taco Bell and or, and tacos and stuff and wine and drinks. And well, stuff. that we're, explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, now let's look at that side of the. So every side like a college student and yeah. be a professional. No, no, especially after kids, man. After kids, it's kind of tough. It's 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 practically almost i'd say almost impossible I, well i did it for five years i grew the company to where it's at as a college kid <laughs> I, no no no, no. I'm, saying after kids. I'm saying after kids well, you're your own boss after there's kids. a difference yeah there's well, that. i have a boss i can smell the wine on your breath no no i mean you you still have to show up to work though because you have to lead by example yeah. if i showed up here you know all just worn out looked like i just been hit by a train then i mean then you can't lead the company uh it was just I would now. Can I do it now? No, because right, well, now age has a lot to do with. Yeah, that. now I have a ten-month-old, so I don't get to sleep a full five, six hours through the night. I have to wake up sometimes, and uh, things are different. Situations different, as you said. We're a little bit older. Lifestyles different. Lifestyles different. Yeah. Um, the other night I slept at nine thirty, and I, uh, 
and my wife's like, why do you sleep so early? I said, I don't know. I just felt like I had to sleep at 9.30. Did you like, still wake up at 7 a.m.? No, I woke up earlier, like oh. 5.30, I think. But that's unusual for me. It's like it's, I haven't slept at 9.30 since I was maybe six months old. So it's <laughs> Six months old? Yeah, I never slept yeah. early. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talking but, about balance, too, I think yeah. you have to balance your emotions you as well, especially for women. Going back to work, not seeing your kids for eight hours a day is very difficult, you know. And it, it makes you sad. It makes you miss your child, all these things. You know, that's one of the reasons why I moved to the early shift is so that I could get home by 11 a.m. So I'm all day with my son. Well, he's in preschool, so I'm not all day, but majority yeah. of the day. Um, that's not a choice, of course, majority of women can make. But I think you have to manage your emotions, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really the hard part is saying, OK, I'm not going to give into this emotion. Even though I'm going to really, really miss him, I have to do what I have to do. And you have to give yourself these daily pep talks like, I'm going to get through it. It's just it's just a few hours. You know, he's going to. He'll be, be fine, a better yeah. person for it, you know, because statistically, children of working mothers are better off. They say, yeah. Um, and and in the long run, you're better off. You just have to make sure the moments with them really count. You know, in the evenings when you come home, like I cuddle my son to sleep for thirty minutes every night. I don't just give him the bottle and say bye. I'll see you, you know, tomorrow. That's, that's, that's our moment, yeah. you know. And yeah. on weekends, it's like I'm with him the whole day, all of Saturday, all of Sunday. Once he's in bed after eight o'clock, then me and my husband will be like, okay, date night. But it's not never before, mm-hmm. you know. So no, you, just, you, you have to really be tough with yourself too and say, I'm not going to be a crybaby about this. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, making sure you're there for your kid is one of the most important things, especially with moms. Dads, I mean, I get it. There's the whole macho thing as far as, oh, you know, dad has to go to work and, you know, mommy will be with you. But uh, both moms and dads being there for your kids, setting a good example, and always spending time with them will raise a better kid. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Because I, I think you're always setting an example for your kids, whether you realize it or not. Absolutely. Um, moms play a different role. Dads play a different role, and then we play a different role if we have a son or a daughter. Um, it's it's so you have to always be thinking about. What what I'm doing now? How is this going to affect my child? Are they because they're always looking up to you? Thinking, Their brain is a sponge. Yeah, it's you can't just be like you said, completely out of whack and out of balance. Just show up whenever you want, do whatever you want, and then but tell no, you, you I'm going to raise you differently. You're going to have to have balance and structure, discipline. Don't look at your dad. Your dad has none of that. <laughs> you can't be live like that. Yeah, 100%. you know what my son said today. What? See you next Tuesday. Are you serious? I'm not lying. I what's I, next? What do you like I, tomorrow? No, man, as in shamed that we use that word and he repeated it. Oh, my God. So you hope you're not screwing your children up. (laughs) (laughs) None of us are perfect. But, you know, things come out of your mouth and you, you know, you say it and you don't realize that my son, who's now almost three, he repeats everything. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. We've we've gone through that in the house. I mean, wait till the questions come. Right. Yeah, screw up, screw up and then send them to society. <laughs> I, I, shit slipped out of my mouth one yeah. time. This kid started saying shit everywhere. Mm-hmm. She would drop something, shit. She did this, shit. I'm like, oh yeah. my God. I'm like, I need to. If I you need... say Papa, say Papa, they'll never say. You say something stupid. Yeah, I swear to God, man. These you have are... to not make a big deal out of it. Like, we didn't make a big deal out of it as if it was nothing and he never said it. Never. We did the opposite. Bye. You know what we did? We As soon as I said it, she said, we lose it. You're like, oh. <gasps> And then she was like, shit, 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 shit. We're like, oh, crap. We're good thing I need to say something else right after that. You got to be able to replace it right away. It happened in the car today. I think dad said the F word, mom. And I said, no, I said freak. <laughs> That's it. And my wife doubled well, it. Your yeah, kids yeah, are older. You got to be careful, the... man. I can't be careful. You know me your whole life. I know, be I know. Careful. I know, I know. I'm just. Him being careful is like, I know going to work at 
to it yet. <laughs> yeah, not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. Do we have any more questions for Alina or anything like what that before we wrap it up? Something fun and uh, like happy reporting that you had done. Uh, uh, what something you covered that you actually enjoyed being covering that story? Well, maybe she enjoys covering everything. You guys, I swear uh, to God, I don't, one, I don't remember the story. It's it's sad to say because we do so. I do a new story every yeah. single day, sometimes multiple. <clears throat> it's so hard to remember stories that we've done. Um, you get those heartwarming ones. You do, and I right now for the life of me, I won't remember. And I know I've done so many of them. Like I can't even tell you one right now, but I know I've done a lot of them. Um, you know, anytime we do those stories, for me, my my favorite stories are always stories about people. You know, when I'm interviewing someone that did something extraordinary, you know, donated a kidney to somebody and it saved their life, you know, things like that. That's really what gets to me because I think we're, you know, that's unique. It's just life in, in the most unique way. And I get to experience that because I'm hearing it from this person. So anytime I get to interview someone that has a personal story, that's... Mm -hmm. That's a hero is, in person, yeah. basically. You like to meet the heroes in person. 100%. Of course, not just heroes, but people that are doing extraordinary things on a day-to-day -day basis. And we have a lot of them. You wouldn't believe. It's just, For sure. unfortunately, we don't get to cover all of them. Yeah. If you ever need fantastic senior stories. <laughs> I will, I no, I'm serious. I, that's, I do. Can you give us one, amigo? <laughs> not on camera no, yet. I, I, we have to filter it out. We have to sift it out and make sure. It's why, just, why do you think I'm not? I'm being serious. No, no, there's. Of course, I've had like a lot of uh, World War II vets and um, some of the greatest people to talk yeah, to. Yeah, and so, I mean, I deal with people who were born in nineteen tens and twenties, and so these guys have seen, or mm -hmm. these men and women have seen. They've a seen lot. everything. Yeah, so we have a limited number of these people. Yeah, yeah. and uh, of course, they're the most precious things we have in terms of what helps us understand what mistakes not to make in life is mm -hmm. is through them, because. Yeah. Um, you know, celebrities, you ain't going to get that from them. Look, these people have lived so many years. They've they've gotten to a level of wiseness where they know the answers. Yeah. To they've seen two world wars. They've seen the Great Depression. Yeah. They've seen enough to know that, you know what, don't make the same mistake twice. Yeah, we look at self-help books, our generation, you know. Mm -hmm inspirational books these people live are they inspiration? yeah they are our inspiration they are basically who we're you know we're looking up to it looks like we're gonna start well, and end Ar the show with armand who uh who's a loyal follower um scissor genius says you have fantastic hair he's a hairstylist he's a hairstylist well, he's a very you. well known at, hairstylist. At, at, at oh, yeah. how's at my french yourself. how's my french accent très bien. i oh. thought we we're gonna do the Podcast we were, but today. then when you were like, uh, I was like, all right, we don't want to. Well, I don't want to put. Let's it do the last few minutes of friends. All right, let's. Do, you always want to do the last. Oh, we, 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 we. There you go. Oui. There you well, go. Uh, I'm just I, gonna shut my I mouth. I speak the here. English in the French. French language. <laughs> 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 Guys, uh, thank you for thank you so much for being with us today, Alina. Thank you so much for thank joining for us today on this me. fantastic Monday, on this Memorial Monday. Exactly. Um, Very special Monday. Yeah. We actually ended the show talking about history and our world wars and all that crap. So, uh, well, not crap. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not politically correct. All that great stuff. Get out of here. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Alina, thank you so much for being with us again. Uh, guys, follow Alina on Instagram. It's Alina with two L's. Yes. Underscore Abovian with the I-A-N at Instagram. Like the best city in Armenia, Abovian. Oh, God. <laughs> you're not gonna win that game yeah, whatever and, and be quiet go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I, I was gonna say we uh you know we want to wish you a uh healthy pregnancy your last two months you're due when 
Next July? month, July. Yeah. July? Oh, my, my son's turning one in July, July 10th. My son, my first son is turning three. July? Mm -hmm. July ah. 24. Okay. Oh, and when is the second one due? Same, around the same time. Same so time. two Leo boys. Wow. Beautiful. Life well, fun, fun house. Yeah, congratulations to you and your husband. Thank and you. a growing family. Yeah. Yeah. And as they say in Armenian, Bari Azatum, of course. And uh, we wish you the most success in the world. Whatever you're doing right now, I know you have plenty of other goals set in mind. We hope you achieve them. You're doing a great thing for the Armenian community. And we are so, so proud of you. Thank you so much. Thank All you right, guys. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was no, going to wrap it up. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. I was just going to say thank you for coming and put it, you know. You don't want to showing... say anything nice about me? Oh. <laughs> say something nice, nice, man. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're going to put you on the spot at the end. Thanks for having me. I of course. Love of to, course. Love to talk about this stuff. So it was All right, guys. We'll see you guys next Monday, 7.30 p.m. Same time, same place, same Facebook channel. Same right. Facebook. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Same note. <laughs>